This is the War Room Roundtable podcast, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and relevant businessmen and women on the planet, hear their stories, and get the most important business lessons they've learned on the road to success, and get exclusive advice on how to implement their successes into your life and business. The War Room Roundtable is brought to you by your hosts, Jason Miller, CEO of Strategic Advisor Board, and Philip Lanos, CEO of Own the Rhythm, and former podcast host for Entrepreneur and Inc. Magazine. Welcome to the War Room. How are you doing today, Lewis? I'm doing amazing. Thank you so much for you guys for having me here. Yeah, man. Uh, Boost Media, is that, is that correct? Boost, did I say that correctly? Boost Media Agency? Yeah, Boost Media Agency, correct. Um, so yeah, I pretty much founded that back in 2020, um, right on the kind of precipice of pre and post COVID, which was, uh, you know, it, it was a blessing COVID for for myself personally. In a lot of ways, it was obviously a, tr- a terrible time, but I, I have an events company as well. And so as you can imagine, not many events going on um, while there's a pandemic <laughs> flying around the world. Yeah. Yeah. So I had a little bit of foresight there to pivot and um yeah move more online and yeah it was uh yeah the rest is history as they say right now let's let's get to that before we go any further in that let's get to that first yeah. i'm always curious to learn do you yourself have a background such as like your family were also entrepreneurs or business owners yeah so my dad he's had a company for the last like 17 18 years i got a pile of books right behind my head which is all their book um basically it's kind of crazy like you know, I don't think it was intentional, but the work I do now is like so in alignment with what my dad actually does. So my dad has a company that before business storytelling was a thing, right? They were doing strategic storytelling for companies back in like the early 2000s, right? And most of the people they pitched on that idea were like, what business storytelling? Like what a, what a load of BS, right? And now fast forward 15, 20 years since then, storytelling is the most powerful thing. Everyone's like, sell with story like you story in your strategy and it's like they were early and so they were kind of like you know now some of the global leaders in that but yeah so the work i do is essentially like helping our clients share their story through you know different mediums and build their brands to kind of impact more people so it's strange how it's kind of like ended up like that now were you this is so interesting were you ever able to as a kid sit in on some of those meetings or conversations and think to yourself huh what, what is all this going on? Yeah, so for about three years, so my dad, uh, I lived with my dad in Melbourne, in Australia, and their company office, so we had like, it was a pretty pretty impressive like townhouse thing, and they had like this huge basement. So like their, their company office was actually in there, so the house was on top. And so, yeah, every day I'm like walking in and out, and like it wasn't actually until one day when my dad invited me to go along to one of his keynotes that he was doing. Uh, at the Crown Convention Center in Melbourne, where I actually fully understood what he did for the first time. Because he's like, oh, yeah, we use story to do this. And like, anytime people would ask me what my dad did, I was like, I honestly couldn't tell you. They're like, dude, are you sure he's just like dealing drugs or something? I'm like, no, nah, come on, man. Like, let's be honest. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so like, I went and watched him speak. And like, it is crazy how when you use a story, like, the facts that you tell in there are so memorable. And so if you're trying to influence, engage, and inspire people, don't just stand there and blurt out facts. It's like, actually use a story to illustrate the point, right? Like, 
I was actually in Denver in 2016 after I went to college in Kansas for two years, finished my second year. And my dad was actually over at ATD. It's like a business conference over there. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar, but um, my dad came back to the hotel after the first day and he was like, Lewis, today I learned exactly, well, I reinforced exactly why we do what we do. I was like, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, there was like, you know, 10, 15 different speakers and, you know, some of them were good. Some of them were average. And I was chatting with a group of people after and I asked them, who was your favorite speaker today? Pretty much all of them said this one guy, let's say his name was a Jeff, right? Oh, Jeff, he was amazing. He had the Armani suit, like his presentation was spectacular. My dad was like, yeah, it was, it was pretty, looks pretty good. Like, do you guys remember what he talked about? And everyone kind of just like stood there and was like, oh, no one even really remembered. And then he's like, well, what did you guys think of, um, you know, Simon's presentation? And they were like, oh, yeah, Simon talked about how his daughter, you know, couldn't do this. And like, she had to go to the bank and get this. And so point being, this guy, Simon, rocked up on stage in a flanny, no deck, nothing, just spoke, but he told the story, right? This other guy looked impressive, sounded impressive, used all these crazy words. No one understood him, right? And so the point being, we overcomplicate things. School teaches us, use fancy words, do this, but it's like, if you can communicate simply and if you can communicate with story, then it's like people are actually going to remember what you say. They're not just going to be like, okay, that sounded really cool, right? I What I love most about what you just did is you literally led by example and use the story that will never let anyone forget how important telling a story is to getting your point across mm-hmm. in a lesson, mm-hmm. which again, that, that's my favorite kind of people. You just did the very thing. We're always trying to extract from people on the show to create the the compelling momentum we need to contribute to the greater fabric of business wisdom, right? And so for me, knowing that that's where you come from and that's how you grew up and you got to pick up all of this early on, what made you decide to go into events? So it was purely by by chance like so fast forward back to rewind back to 2017 so it all started literally i was sitting at the dining room table this is when i was living with my dad actually and i saw an ad pop up on uh facebook sorry mind blank so i saw an ad pop up on facebook and like full transparency so the the events company that i started working for it was like uh you know a topless waiter right and i was in really good shape and my it was like 80 to 100 dollars an hour and that time I was like, you know, making no money. And I was like, dad, look at this. Like, he's like, yeah, go on, give it a try, man. Like you got nothing to lose. And it's funny because that whole experience, like of literally being like a waiter shirtless at a party, that was like an incredible growth experience for me because I was like very shy and very introverted. And anyway, after like two months of like working for these guys who ran the company, they were starting uh, like a, an e-commerce product and they, they were going to have no time to run this one. And they, they knew I wasn't just like a, the average person that does that job. They saw that I was like, you know, I was very invested in my personal growth and learning and trying new things. And so like, man, we want you to run the whole business for us. And I was like, God damn, like that's way out of my comfort zone, but I'm, I'm going to take it on, right? And pretty much from there, I ran their company for about a year. They they tried to sell me their company and they they really tried to like rip me off like massively. And they, they took like a vendetta against me when I, lowballed them very hard on their offer after speaking to multiple people who built and sold businesses anyway so then i was like you know what like i know exactly how this business runs like it's i could set my own one up tomorrow for like 
hundredth of the cost. I was like, you know what? We got no contracts. See you guys. So started my own company. Um, I've sold pretty much most of that company now to one of my friends who runs that whole thing. So that was like a really interesting period of my life where I never would have expected to go. But like it gave me such invaluable experience because I, I did I did a Bachelor of Entrepreneurship at uni, right? You'd think I'd come out of there like ready to be the next Bezos or whatever. But like I, I felt like I had no idea about business. And it wasn't until I actually ran these guys' business where it's like, cool, here's how you send an email. Here's how you get on the phone with someone. Here's how you follow up. Here's how you like manage a leads list. I was like, wow, this is like pretty simple, but no one, no one knows that stuff. So like I was almost mentored by these guys just by like running their business. And that's pretty much what set me up to start the next business and just get it off the ground like that. Because I had all the fundamentals in place and yeah, just rolled with it from there. That's a really interesting thing happening because there's a lot of people who feel like they need more preparation and more and more and more and more before they ever even hit send on an email. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, And somehow, I, I don't know if it's related to your you growing up, watching business in action and finally understanding it in those moments and then stepping in, not even with the intention to run someone's business, but slowly picking up the pieces and then having them observe the value and you acknowledging the value that's being reflected back to you as opposed to being like, oh, false modesty. No, you know, just all these qualities you you inherently seem to be an entrepreneur in the truest sense, willing to learn, not afraid of hard work, all these things. So before I take it to where I want to go after having illustrated that, I imagine as somebody else who also grew up, you know, in a family of business owners and had businesses at a young age, uh, you know, Jason himself, I think might have a thought or two on that because that's also something that he really shares in common with you. And it's just interesting to see that, that DNA, that personality. Yeah, it is DNA to a point, I think. Right. But I also think when you're around it a lot as a child, it kind of gets ingrained in you and then you see it happening and then you want it more and more and more and more. And I, I love the whole story thing. I do it unintentionally, I think. Um, Cause I like always tie things, um, you know, back to my military career, right. When people say, cause I spent 23 years in the military, hence the war room. Um, that's where the idea of that came from and business is war. Right. So, but I often take business examples and then, connect them into something that happened to me, maybe in a combat zone or something. Right. And people can instantly connect with it. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's memorable. I mean, you you couldn't have said it any better, right? Somebody will because there's two, there's a, there's a place for two different things, right? You have, you know, more of the speaker platform, and then you have the instructor platform. Those are two very different things. And I was an instructor in in the military academy for five years. So I've seen both sides of that, right? Where as an instructor, it's on the podium CMP. Today, we're going to discuss blah, 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 right? Um, But then you have the opposite side of that. And then the opportunity to shape a mind, right? Mm -hmm. That's the key is Mm -hmm. shaping minds. Those are the things that change they change the world. They change the way we think. They change the way we develop. Hell, they change the way strategies are driven in a company. Um, all these different things, right? 
So really what you're doing with that is you're bringing up the next generation of leaders that's able to connect without this, right? The phone. (laughs) Right. And that's not a phone, but you get my point, right? So the dopamine box. Right. right. You know, it's life isn't always about text messaging and and Snapchat and Twitter and all these different things, right? So, (laughs) you know, we have an opportunity to take some of the younger generation and almost leave them connected, but disconnect them a little bit, just enough Mm -hmm. to where Mm -hmm. they're able to help grow society in a, a better way with using technology and all these things. So, so what you're doing there and what your father's been doing with that is uh, it's an invaluable tool that more people need to learn to use. So good on you for, for doing that. Cause there's not a lot of people doing it. It's <laughs> for sure. Yeah. And I just want to touch on something you said. You said that you do it a, a lot unconsciously. And so I think, mm-hmm. you know, great communicators do that, right? It's not like you're intentionally mm-hmm. thinking about trying to tell a story or whatever that may be, but it's just like it comes natural to you. And I think I was very fortunate to to grow up hearing my dad do that because it, it definitely did rub off on me unconsciously. But in terms of me, like being a natural entrepreneur, like I really, I, I don't think I ever was growing up. Like it wasn't until I, you know, like probably a lot of people who got into businesses, like kind of going through personal development stuff first, right? Like actually building a growth mindset. Cause when I was like 15, I was like too shy to go and talk to a stranger. Like, you know, if you told me that I would have done everything that I've done since then, I would literally say there is no way I would ever do that. Like, so yeah, I definitely think there was something unconscious in there, but it was a lot of just like getting out of my comfort zone and trying new things and having like, you know, one or two really key friends um, who, were kind of on the same path and just like pushing each other to like try these things and really like get out of our comfort zones. And like, you know, there was one guy who's literally been instrumental to everything that I did. And he's just like, he's like, do this, do this. And I just listened to him and like, it worked, you know, pretty well. So there is the pattern of people that I've interviewed who uh, launched businesses, CEOs, venture capitalists who are coachable. Right. And, and, and then when I spoke to psychologists who also happen to be life coaches, they would always say, you first have to get all that crap out of the way before you could even be coachable. So it's an interesting tidbit to bring that up and say, yeah, I was coachable regardless of where I was in my life. And I imagine to this very day under the, in, in under the right circumstances in front of the right person, you are coachable. And that is probably something that every entrepreneur can relate to. It's come up in this show a lot of finding a good mentor. And that doesn't necessarily always have to be someone older than you. It could be someone on the path who is just further along in a few steps of the direction you're trying to go. So I'm glad that you brought that up. And now it was as we carry the narrative over. So here you are with Boost Media and you launched during the pandemic, right? Which is like crazy, but it was smart. You had the foresight, as you said early in this conversation, go, okay, I can't do what I was doing. I made the exit. I left it with them. I'm thinking of what I'm going to do next. You launched this. Did you catch on later finding out, whoa, the work I do is totally correlated to the work my dad was doing? Or was it kind of like, no, I think this is the direction to go. And I think I know enough about it that I can take it to the next level, given the tools we have available now. Yeah, it definitely wasn't ever thought that it was like similar to what my dad did. Like 
it might have come up in a conversation at some point, but yeah, I don't think it was until like a while after doing it that I really realized like, wow, like this is so like in alarm. Because I've got people who I like clients that I chat to, like, yeah, I really want to chat to your dad and like pick his brain and like we've scheduled different Zooms and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I don't think it was ever it never popped into my mind to be honest. So then, and thank you for indulging in that. I was just curious. So now, here you are. What goals do you have? I mean, you've you've clearly had a degree of success. We haven't dove into exactly how much, but what goals do you currently have since launching? There's obviously monetary goals, like personal goals and all that stuff. But like, ultimately, like where I want to take the company is I just want to be synonymous with personal branding, right? So what we do is like public relations to a sense. But one thing I got really clear on is like all the people we work with are like founders of companies, right? And I really believe that in 2022 and like, you know, for the foreseeable future, your personal brand is your resume. Like forget B2B, B2C. It's like, it's human to human now, right? And I have literally done pretty much every single person that we've worked with has been through like my personal brand, right? Like, so people know me, I, people know Elon Musk, people know Jeff Bezos. And it's like, you build that brand to the point where it's like, if, if Elon was to go and start something else, which he has, like he would have people jumping at the opportunity to like invest. So the point being is like, don't just build your company, but build your personal brand. So I want to focus on every key area that we can help them build that through like the media, through speaking on other people's podcasts, through creating them social media content that gets really great reach. So doing all those things that make them, you know, like if you blueprint what like a Gary Vee does, for example, right? Like he's got an incredible brand as well really successful businesses. So helping those business owners build their brand to the point where it's like, it's a no brainer for people to work with them versus the next person. So short answer is to, you know, become synonymous with personal brands. Oh, I see. And, and I'm glad that you're clear on that because a lot of people will then I imagine come to you and they're like, okay, do you make logos for me? And this, this, and that. And you're like, well, yeah, that, no, we don't do that's logos. different. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's different, right? That's a branding tactic, but it's not personal brand can you sort of talk to some of the misconceptions that people have when they first approach working with you or has it not been the case it's never really been that case like we've been really one of my first mentors that i work with actually like you know after like my first year of business it's like you know we'd work with over probably a few hundred clients i was like man like i've got all these clients like what else should i do what else should i like, try and sell them and he's just like just do it honestly keep doing this one thing at least for another year and i was kind of like I didn't really question it because like you mentioned before, like when I have someone who's like ahead of me and, you know, I really trust them. Like I don't just dive into working with anyone like as like a mentor. It's like, I have to build that relationship first. And I was like, okay, because the reason why is like, you, you don't want to confuse people and mix the message. Like, oh yeah, we're like a marketing, we do ads, websites, logos. It's like, no, we're like public relations. Right? We we're known for that. So now it's to the point where it's like two and a half years in and it's like, Okay, it wasn't until probably six months ago that we started incorporating all the podcasts, creating social media content because we had all these clients that are like, God, I don't have time to create my social content. I don't have time to like edit my videos. I don't have time to you know book myself on podcasts. So we just incorporated that into our service, but it's all in alignment, right? We, we kind of package it to the point where it's like everything that, you know, to build your public presence, to, you know, get seen by more people, that's what we incorporate in there. So, Yeah. No, I, th I think that makes sense. And, and Jason and I have these conversations quite often. He's constantly helping me understand the value of focus. Uh, and, and I'm glad that you had someone in there. And even more important, 
better than me, you actually listened, right? I, I'm so hard-headed and I, I can point to being a living example of someone who does a lot of things. Just because you're capable of so many things doesn't mean that's how you should represent yourself. And so I'm glad that you mentioned that. And you're a perfect example of what happens when someone actually listens, right? There, there's been explosive growth. And then because of all that growth, you're like, okay, I believe we can add these things because it's not so far out of the wheel of what we're trying to do. Uh, and and I, I want to talk to, I want to turn this over just for a second over to Jason, because he does work with a lot of companies. And I imagine a lot of the times when, when he's helping them scale, they're also probably having that conversation of, we want to increase our services and products. And so I don't know if you can speak on that a little bit, Jason. I, it happens all the time, right? So it's the cart before the horse theory, right? It's like, you know, get really good at doing one thing and then expand and then get really good at doing that and then expand and then expand. And then we live in this world of instant gratification, right? So we've got to learn to, you know, pull back from that instant gratification and actually chart a course. It's not a permanent course, right? That course changes, it shifts, it wiggles left and right and up and down and, you know, there, there's a reason why entrepreneurship is like this, right? There's a reason why a B does a B line, <laughs> right? Entrepreneurship is very much the same, right? Business ownership is the same, right? So get super focused on one thing that you can create it, more importantly, fulfill it, right? And then Cause it's easy to take people's money. And I tell that, I tell that to companies I work with all the time, taking people's money is the easy part. It's everything after that, right? <laughs> you know, the customer yeah. journey, the, the uh, communication pieces, the fulfillment parts, all those parts, right? Those are the parts that come after you take the money. And People try to get so far ahead of themselves to like, oh, I can do this and I can bolt this on here and add this here and do this there. And then fulfillment drops. And then guess what happens next? Now you get shit reviews. Now your, your customer service reviews suck, right? Which we have a pandemic of that in itself right now in the United States <laughs> of poor customer service. I can speak of that just as a consumer, right? So, um, so no, the, the, whoever was guiding you clearly, they understood that and guided you down the right path, um, which is really important. And all things are scalable with time, Right. Not everything can be today, tomorrow, um, but a lot of things can be scaled in over, you know, a short period of time, but you got to have the systems and process in, in place behind it too, right? So mm -hmm. at least you're doing it right. That's, that, mm -hmm. that's the key to the conversation right there. Yeah, exactly. And it was the guy that I work with, like, yeah, he... He knew exactly, like like you mentioned, like having someone who actually understands it, like having built million dollar businesses, like that was like the kicker. And I think the film part is like really important. So like anytime we have actually introduced something new, it's like, hey, we're literally trying this brand new thing out, right? 
do you want to be part of like the test group, right? You're literally going to get it for like half the cost of what we're going to charge. We're going to use this as like, you know, case studies. And like, I learned that from him as well. And that's worked really, really well because then it's like, you're open and transparent because these people are like, yeah, I would love this. But you're not just like, hey, we're experts now at building websites. Uh, let us build your website. And then like, you know, you got no idea how to build a website. So it's like, I think that the transparency piece is super important because then it's like, you get a lot of feedback and that's the best way to like improve the systems, right? It's like, hey, this part didn't work. Okay, cool. We'll fix that. So I think, yeah, your customers are like your best way to like, you know, improve the business. The yeah, art man. of the pre-launch, right? The pre-launch is still very alive and well. Sometimes you test the marketplace with a pre-launch and figure out, you know, I see like coaches with courseware and all this kind of stuff, right? They put six months into building something, then they try to sell it and it don't sell, right? So it's like, you just wasted six months of your life, Bubba, right? So instead, come up with the framework that it's going to be, throw it out in the market and see if the market even wants it first. And if they do, now create the product, go on, so on and so forth. That model's been around for years and it still is phenomenal. It still works great. Oh, 100%. Like, 100%. So have you guys read uh, Ready, Fire, Ready, Fire, Aim? Yep. By Michael sure Masterson? Have. Mm-hmm. That, sure have. That is an incredible book. And it, it's literally yeah. like what you just summed up there. He's like, mm-hmm. you need product market fit, find your optimum selling strategy. And then once you hit the seven-figure mark, then, you know, figure out the rest of some more stuff because right. right? then there's going to be new challenges and problems. Yeah. I call it the just in time methodology. <laughs> yeah, I, like it. I like it. And so uh, keep keeping with the narrative, right? Uh, so we, now we know your goals obviously is to continue to bring people on that are going to want the full experience that you've been able to develop and based on the relationships you built, like you said, you don't just go to work with anyone off the bat. You take your time to get to know them and see how it fits into the overall e- ecology of what you're doing, right? Like uh, this ecosystem here, this is what it looks like. It looks pretty tight. Can I fit this in? So it's good to know that because anyone listening now will know that you don't do things by accident, right? It's very intentional what you do. So if there's someone listening that's interested in this, where would you invite them to connect with you and visit you? Uh, probably Instagram is the best place. Um, yeah, my handle is at Lewis Shank. I've got a bunch of free resources. So yeah, if anyone is interested, just send me a DM and I'll, I'll shoot them your way. All right, right on. And then with that, uh, if you could go back to the day that you were working at the event agency, you know, it was, like you said, top list, whatever, and you just started, but you being you now, Knowing what you know now about business and, and, and the risks and the responsibilities, the rewards, what would you have said to yourself being who you are just before you got that bad deal that they tried to offer you? What would you say to yourself now? Um, invest in Bitcoin. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> definitely not right now. So I think it's in two parts. I think what we just spoke about, about finding product market fit and everything, like that, that is the advice I would give to someone starting out. Like find find people who want your service, sell it to them and fix it. But in terms of what you just, how you asked it then, I would say like hiring a team quicker, right? For the first year of my business, like I probably could have doubled the business in the first year had I not just been stubborn and like, no, nah, I'll do it all myself. I'll grind from 5 a.m. to 10 p.m. Because after 11 months of doing that, you realize that you're not a superhuman, 
right? It's, it's fine for a few months, but you get to the point where it's like, okay, I really need some help. And it wasn't until I hired some help that I was like, oh my God, like how much time do I have to actually work on the business versus like just sending more emails and sending more messages? Like, you know, so definitely getting out of your own way and like giving up control a little bit. I love it. That is a recurring theme that we've heard from a lot of people. And I'm glad that we heard it again, especially from someone who has your exact story, uh, because it lends a lot of weight to what you're saying for anyone who's on the edge right now. Going, Should I do it? it doesn't get any clearer than that hearing specifically from your story. Uh, so with that said, before I dive into the grand finale question here, because we only have so much time, although I would love to go deeper because we could, uh, I want to turn over to Jason just one more time. Yeah. I love these kinds of, of interactions because there's, there's so much little value punch here and there, right? If you're just paying attention, the little value things you can get from it are, are huge. And I hope everybody caught like at the beginning when you're telling uh, about how important it is to use a story to tell a story. And then you told a story how important it is to tell a story. Right. So I hope people like got that whole part of it. And to me, that's a very valuable piece of information to arm people with. Um, because we've all sat places and we're like, <clears throat> Falling asleep right. And, right. <laughs> about ready to freaking drool on the notebook that we were sitting on right because it's just boring um and so keep doing that good work that's great work to keep doing and somebody needs to be out front leading that charge and it sounds like you're it so keep doing it <laughs> appreciate that thank you yeah. right on and with that, we've got the grand finale. I, I hope you're ready, Lewis. So here, here it is. <laughs> Drum roll, <Bring> <laughs> please. So if you could have invited anyone to this conversation today, based on what we talked about, what we covered, uh, who would you have invited if you had the chance to invite anyone, dead or alive, and why? Yeah, like at this exact point in my life, I would say um, Alex Formosi. Um, you guys yeah. familiar with him? Yeah, mm. a million yeah, dollar like offer. I yeah, yeah. Yeah, like I, I really, I really respect and idolize what he's done because I'm telling you, like you could watch ten of his YouTube videos and get like more value than you would from like a ten thousand dollar course, right? Like, and so I think at this exact point in my life, I would love to like you know sit down and pick his brain um, on you know exactly because like you mentioned at the start, I, I'm pretty coachable and sometimes it's like my biggest struggle is like, okay, what's the exact thing I need to focus on right now? So like if I had someone who's scaled a business to hundred million being like, Hey, just do this. Done. So at this point in my life, I would say Alex. Yeah, no, I, I love the answer. Couldn't agree with you more. I recently finished his book. So I get it. I get exactly what you're saying. It is paramount that people take the time to find whoever can give them the information they need to unlock their next level. And I'm glad that that you're a business leader who's willing to do that because that only means that whoever is your client, is getting even more value just by staying in for the long term. Yeah, 100%. And so with that, Jason, why don't you roll this out as you usually do? Yeah. Well, thanks for being here. really appreciate you being here. Um, I always say there's 168 hours in the week. You took 30, 45 minutes to show up here, spend this time with us, drop some value bombs. Um, and that's 
greatly appreciated. At the end of the day, there's money, houses, fancy cars, all this shit, right? But the one thing that you can't do is that, right? Time just keeps on a clicking. And uh, thanks for taking the time to be here with us and our audience. It's greatly appreciated. No worries, Jason Phillips. It was a pleasure being here. And yeah, the time flies when you're having fun, as they say. I'm sure I would have been happy to donate much more time with you guys. Yeah, awesome. man. No, it was a good one. Thanks for stopping yep. by. Cheers, my friend. No thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to the War Room Roundtable with your hosts, Jason Miller and Philip Lanos. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advisement on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates. And always remember, if you can dream it and believe it, then you can go achieve it. We'll see you in the next episode.